Hello everybody and welcome to the Australian Seller Podcast. My name is Chris Thomas and I'll be your host and this is the show where we talk about all things Amazon and e-commerce, whether it be private label, wholesale, dropshipping and how you can generate a recurring income either on the side or as a full-time gig. G'day, g'day, and welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode is episode 67, so if you head over to theaustralianseller.com forward slash 067, you'll get all the show notes. And today we welcome back Danny McMillan, who I had on the show last year. Danny's from Britain, as you'll, I'm sure you'll hear in his accent. And uh, he's no stranger to anybody that sells on Amazon. He enjoys a huge profile due to his incredible three episodes per week, Seller Sessions podcast. It's an absolute must listen for any Amazon seller. And he's quite prodigious when it comes to networking as well and, and business too. Uh, so today, anyway, it's his turn to be interviewed. So I go and ask him about, or you know, we dive into his backstory and how he lost a lot of money in a failed startup, all the way through to, of course, his experiences selling on Amazon these days. Um, he had a dabble in the United States for a while. He's actually pulled back from there and he's now really focusing hard in on the United Kingdom and in Europe and through that throughout those marketplaces there. And we also, of course, we couldn't help it but uh, dive deep into one of his true passions, which is PPC or Amazon sponsored ads. So yeah, stand by for that. Now, private coaching, I bang on about it every week, but uh, if you've been on an Amazon course or in the middle of one or you're just starting out on one, just shoot me a message over at chris at christhomas.com.au and we can have a bit of a chat first about where you're at. Or if you feel brave, you can book me directly for an hour over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash chris. And don't forget, of course, uh, we've got India coming up, so the early bit disc- discounts will be expiring soon at the end of July. So book now, people. So just head over to www.indiasourcingtrip.com and, uh, yeah, see see if you can get yourself onto that trip because we've got some really, really amazing people coming, including Tim Jordan and myself, and um, I'm not that amazing, but uh, there's lots of people that are, so, yeah, it'd be crazy to miss it. Anyway, as usual, I'm going to hand it over to, to Danny, but before we do that, uh, let's have a listen to some Blondie. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the Australian Seller Podcast, and today I am totally delighted to be making welcome back to the show, Danny McMillan, the host of Seller Sessions, and also the owner or the CEO or the founder of Databrill, which is a PPC management software and service. And Danny, we met in Hong Kong way back in what, 2016, 2017? I think you were hanging out then with Anthony Vaughan, and you had some meetups there. Yes. So that's right. Yeah, Danny's usually on the other side of the microphone, but today we're going to flip the script and dive into your story, Danny. So welcome to the show, and uh, give us a quick introduction. Thanks. Yep, my name's Danny McMillan. Um, I've been selling on Amazon. I moved online in two thousand and eight. I was originally from the music industry. Um, I had a, a, a startup back then. It was the first like baptism of fire of going not only going into the internet, but then having a startup and raising capital and all those kind of things and then it completely crashed it was a complete disaster but <laughs> it was a massive learning curve so it was a hundred what was it 450 to 500 grand well spent i learned just about <laughs> everything you shouldn't do that relates to business and the internet and um yeah it put me in good stead it was very very tough like you know shutting it down and everything else but when you can look back on those experiences it's almost like in that two-year period i've got an acceleration of learning 
like 10 years worth of, that's why I've probably got no hair now, like you, Chris. I've got yeah. 10 years worth of learning squeezed into those two heavy two years, you know, and it taught me mm. a lot. It taught me just about everything that I don't do today, if that makes sense. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So then, yeah, I was going to ask you then, how did you get into um, selling on Amazon then? Like what's the transition from music industry startup yeah, so transition was we we had to start up. It featured on like TechCrunch and stuff, and even uh, Mike, the guy from TechCrunch in the UK, Mike Butcher, he said it's not going to last, you know, and he, he was absolutely right. But then I um I then went for a ticket, worked for a ticketing company where they raised funding. They went on to sell for about you know as a group with all of the startups there for about fifty million. I wasn't involved financially or anything like that, but. When I went in, I'd done a lot of the work in terms of the PPC and stuff. So that's where my angle kind of came from. A transition from the startup world into being the head of digital ticketing company, then left there in 2013 and basically set up my own businesses with a partner in the background who put some money in. And then we've ex- we experimented over a number of years. We've got like construction business now business has also got the agency and we've also got the Amazon business. So by 2015, after setting a few things up and taking the the experiences of, you know, having a team, developing a product that we spent a year taking to market, I then stripped all that back and said, right, a landing page and PPC. If you can't mm-hmm. build a business off that, it's not worth it because that is a testament of what you can find. So we experimented about four or five different product, uh, projects, but we had like a, a minimum viable product that we would do. And then I got to 15 and I'm like, look, I've got background in ticketing, I've got background in commerce and everything else, and I wanted to reverse engineer uh, marketplaces because mm-hmm. I didn't want to go down that route. I've already been down that route, you know, SEO and all that, and it's tough, you know, especially if you want to build something where you don't want to have a massive team around you and where marketplace has got the traffic. So I actually started out doing, um, I started out on, where did I start? Just trying to think now, eBay. So I started on eBay. Yeah, yeah. So I ended up grabbing a load of junk around the house and took shitty photos outside in the sunshine, completely clueless to, to what to do because mm. I was just reversing the platform, basically. Mm-hmm. I gathered all this shit up and then I walked to the end of the road to the post office that, that was shut down two years ago and I don't drive. So that was that. That was like game over. So I came back with my towel between the legs and then I looked on the forum, on the eBay forum, and then someone mentioned Amazon FBA. That was 2015. That was March 31st. Right. And that's when the light came on. I was like, me, can we really do this? Shit? You know, <laughs> can we build all of this stuff? And I can sit in my little box room office in front of the computer, like I would when I was sitting in the studio making records back in the day, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and running my labels and stuff like that. It was like a trance transferring yeah from the music industry to what we do now it's like me selling records like vinyl and cds from the 90s and going out and djing on tour it's all very same you know like you've got a podcast i've got a podcast right Mm -hmm. that was like me doing my kiss show back in the late 90s Mm -hmm. so it's a it's a medium but now we do podcasters and instead of djing you go out and you speak on the road and instead of making records you make products so Mm. all of those kind of things came together as a big big melting pot for me and it's very exciting because it was it was them early days in the UK because no one really knew about FBA. I mean, the market's still developing here. We've worked hard for a number of years to help develop that. But, yeah, that was really how we got started. Amazing. So 
Did you, when you created your first store then, were you actually sort of selling things that you knew about, like records or, you know, if you got, is your store like a branded store or is it just to throw anything at the wall and see what sells? Well, we didn't go any further with the eBay products no. because, as I said, the post office is shut down and I don't drive and I'm not going to get on the bus every day to take packages out. Mm. Obviously, now you've got opportunities where you can have free PL and stuff can be packaged and sent, sent out. That's not a problem. But I didn't know that back then. So I just dumped all of those items and then I selected three products in the UK and I went to, I think it was AliExpress. I tested three different products and then because I think that everyone has an angle of why they go on to sell it on Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. Some are really good with product design, okay? They're designers. Some are good because they worked at a corporation and they've done a form of product sourcing. Mm -hmm. My thing is I was good at PPC. Right. And because it had a PPC platform, I could learn the rest. Mm. And when I reverse engineered the platform back in there, I mean, look at videos on YouTube 2015. I was talking about the correlation between sales through keywords on PPC, showing and demonstrating three different products with it mm. and showing you that effect it has with um, getting organic sales or organic ranking based on the sales of those keywords. That's in 2015. Wow. And that's my angle on it. I don't know what your angle, Chris, is, but I know I get the impression you're like a, a product designer anyway, right? Yeah, a little bit. And yeah. that's your route in. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I think that's what everyone's roots, mm. they have a reason to go to Amazon. They have that one skill set and they shit at everything else they have to develop. Yeah. But hang on. So you're, so basically what you're saying though is that you're, well, at the time, what you did was you went to AliExpress and picked some products and then popped pop yeah, onto Yeah, just Amazon. got some to off Ali. Yeah. Yeah, I just got some old to off Ali- AliExpress. You know what it's like. The, it's, yeah. Most of that is just glor- glorious junk on there. And uh, we made the listing. So you learn how to use Seller Central. You built the listings. And a lot of the principles still remain today, you know, like with uh, keywords in the title and mm-hmm. how you do your bullet points, your description, and everything you do. It's more sophisticated now. But generally, not a huge amount of on the macro has changed in terms of optimizing the listing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, back then, the, the images were a bit more you're trying to take your own pictures and you give them some on Fiverr to to put a white background on them so there's no shadow and they look a bit janky, you know. Yeah, totally. So what about then, I mean, do you have, you still sell on Amazon? Yes, I do. Yeah. Right. So yeah. how many SKUs have you got then? At the moment, we have six across all marketplaces. I've scaled back a lot what we're doing because we've moved out the US and we're focusing on the UK. Yeah. So now I'm doing a real big gear up here in the UK. We've got, we had meetings with a manufacturer because uh, we're in the beauty category. They've got mm-hmm. 4,000 recipes and they approached me and said, look, do you want to work together? And I said, look, you're a big company, maybe, you know, because normally when you deal with domestic people, they want an MOQ of like 60,000. Mm. And that's been the d- difficult. So we've got a set of supplies in the UK. Everything we do now is in the UK, apart from one product that comes in from China that we sell on the partner account. Mm-hmm. But my focus now is we brought everything in line with what we was doing in the year, in the US. Stuff was coming to the end of the product cycle, and mm-hmm. it's almost like we're we're rebuilding, but back in the UK. Um, and that I'm I'm excited about that because. It just means we don't – I hate dealing with shipping and logistics. I, I mean, that's, that stuff for me sends a glass eye to sleep. <laughs> I'd rather have a situation where you, you've got – in terms of your cash flow, if you've got, say, 30-day terms with your manufacturer mm-hmm. and you're getting paid every two weeks from right, Amazon, yeah. you, you're kind of ahead of the curve. And as long as you've got a turnaround time of two to three weeks from your PO, 
then you're in good stead. It allows you just to keep building out your products. You know, I've got luxury of low MOQs as well on launch. Mm -hmm. So we've developed a new way of launching products on a a much lower cost effective basis because some of the interesting things I've noticed and, and I think people should embrace is that um, I spoke with, uh, I don't know if you know Nick and Fernando. I do. Yeah. You've had them on the show. yeah, yeah, very good guys. Yeah, mm. very good guys. And one standout thing that they said to me, the pair of them, were, oh, sorry, it was Fernando, didn't have both of them on that show that specific time, was when they said their hit ratio is 55 to 60%. Mm. And I went, what do you mean? He said, well, we dump 45% roughly of our products, but we mm-hmm. know how to dump. So even guys doing 30 million a year, I don't do anywhere near that, but mm. them doing 30 million a year, they've got a load of staff, but they have embraced it, the fact that they know stuff won't work, and they've got mm-hmm. rid of that psychological aspect of failure because mm. they've worked out a way that they now can dump a product and it only costs them $1,000. So what that. do they do? What's the strategy around well, that? Well, the strategy around what they do is that they go deep into their market. They eat their own lunch and breakfast, so they're happy to cannibalize themselves. Mm-hmm. But they're constantly launching products. I don't know what products they launch, but I do mm. like the the way that they treat it is like an investment portfolio. They don't they take all the emotion out of it as well. Mm. And I think with yeah. the way that Amazon's going now, um, and how it's getting developed, I mean, you've even got to look at someone like Michael Hartman, who's got seven thousand SKUs because he got sick to death of going into a marketplace where he's got a bullseye on his back and he's getting taken out by black hatters in the competition. Mm. And you spend most of your day putting out fires. Whereas now he can go and sell SKUs where he's doing products where it doesn't matter. They sell every other day. And if one gets suspended, who gives a shit? Exactly. Because he's got another 6,999 <laughs> to go. Does that make sense? <laughs> it so, sure does. Yeah, he's, I, he's, I like, a, he's I like industrial. He's industrial the way that he does that with all the flat files and just the, the craziness of, of uploading literally thousands of listings almost every day, right? Like I heard that interview that he, yeah. that he did with you and I was just yeah. like so wide, so shallow. And he was talking about, you know, sometimes I'll have like I've got products that might sell, you know, three or four a year, you know. But when yeah. you add it all up over, you know, that many SKUs, over many, many thousands of SKUs, it's actually quite a lot every day. And, um, yeah, it's just yeah. extraordinary stuff. Amazing. Well, the, one of the one of the key things for him as well is it, it is print on demand. So he has an advantage there, and he uses uh, a US manufacturer, mm-hmm. um, which he has close ties with. So that that really works. I mean, yeah. I think now with Amazon, you've got to you can't just follow the standard path. You have to to find your own path and dig the holes there mm. and then and go in on a niche and then put a ring fence around yourself as best as possible. Yeah, you know? exactly. There's not that's not to say what it doesn't work. You can spend a shitload of cash and then fight it out, you know, in the top three spots and go to war with people. Mm. That's entirely up to you. Or you can go in the niches and you go deep and you can just expand on your product line that way. And that's the direction I'm moving in now. So mm. it's like I'm bringing Bringing it to one, an end of one cycle to start a new one. Does that make sense? It sure does. Well, it's a little bit like, I mean, Liran and, and the guys from Amazing Freedom are always talking about the riches are in the niches, you know, and, and um, yeah. that's definitely where you want to be playing, I think. Uh, yeah, just out of the out of the gaze of, you know, the black hat and the Chinese and the, well, that's perhaps not always the Chinese, of course, but but uh, yeah, just keeping your head down really and just getting into those little niches and mining, mining them through. So I mentioned earlier that... Um, you know, you're, you've got a bit of a, a launch strategy um, around the products that you're sourcing for, directly from the UK. How do you how do you do that? Well, the with the launch strategy at the moment, to be honest with you, like 
I've just been focusing on PPC. I don't even do uh, email sequences. I know people are going to probably listen to this and go, what is the matter with this guy? You're leaving money on the table and all that kind of stuff. It just, mm-hmm. I don't know. I think that like I'm over the hack culture. Does that make sense? Like sure does. I'm, I'm now really, really focused on the product itself because, you know, I'll give an example. I've got a product where someone done a review on the product and they took a picture and there is, it was showing it. It's very graphic, gave it a free star. It's now at the top and you're like, it's a competitor straight away. And the good thing is he contacted us or he added himself to the mailing list through one of our inserts, right? So I built a relationship with this, with this guy. And first I thought, oh, it's a competitor because he mentioned other brands and all that kind of stuff. But it was actually someone who was genuinely spent a lot of time. He said, this is a killer product. The price point is a killer product. But if they only done X, Y, and Z. And I took note of that and basically, I sent, I re, I pulled it off the shelf and reformulate the product and it's just gone back in. And I'm now awaiting these full feedback now. And I take that stuff very seriously. And I think what I found is it's the same with like, with reviews. I, we just go hard on PBC. It's like a wing and a prayer. That's why your launch costs has to be lower because you just go hard on PBC. You set a, a good price point by uh, reduction using a voucher codes, yeah? So you might mm-hmm. do like yep. three, four pounds off if you're selling something for twelve ninety nine. Um, but the moral of the story is is I'm now focusing more on the product itself, whereas years ago when I was still learning, you know, because every time you make a product, it's like making a record. Your first record was always shit, and then you got better over the years <laughs> and matured. Yeah, it's the same <laughs> with your products. You get better mm-hmm. at doing these things. Yeah. So everything is about the product now and everything is about how cheap can I launch it and how quick can we get to market? So I've given everything a, a, a complete overhaul. So I'm not running any chatbots, even though Luke, my partner on one of the brands, he keeps going on to me about chatbots. Chat I'm surrounded by people with chatbots. Maybe I am leaving money on the table, but I'm, I'm kind of trying to skinny everything down and look at it at a, you know, like when you take it from a purist glance, and you go, right, my purest glance on this is like, can I make a fantastic product, like a really great product that people are going to want to review and mm-hmm. people are going to want to buy and it presents a form of value for money? Because a lot of people try and mm-hmm. create products where they want to do a premium product at a premium price. I want to build a premium product at the average price on the page of every other product mm-hmm. so people get more value for money. Does that make sense? So that's sure does. That's the kind of way I've moved. Um, and obviously you can get unstuck. And I mean, I've, sp- I've spoken to Amazon about this. I said, you do realize people spend tens of thousands of pounds, launch a product, and then they get one negative review and it becomes toxic. I mean, you can't even mm. salvage that through PPC. So what people are left with, it's two options. You know, they either get fake reviews to bury it or they bring in a new skew. Either way, it's against terms of service. And this is something that you've got to help customers with. And that's why I looked at that point is like, we've got to launch products a lot cheaper now. And because I go into the niches now, you know, my 3D imaging and my seven main images and my copywriting, I'm able to get all of that done, like at a higher level for less than 500 quid. And then wow. I would spend maybe a 500 to a thousand on PPC. Mm-hmm. That's I was going to ask you, that's actually one yeah. of my questions. Yeah, was how so, much do you so, spend on, on your PPC launch? Yeah, so yeah. the 1,000, you know, 
500 to 1,000 on PPC. Obviously, you'll spend more than that, but I call that the launch cost where it, it gets mm. eaten. You know, like if I'm going to go, right, I need to set fire to that money to rank. That's mm-hmm. my launch budget. Budget. I will spend more, but I'm just saying that's the average budget. So when you talk about the £500 to do your listing, £1,000 on PPC, and let's just say you've got your product, if it's low-cost product, say 250 a unit, then mm-hmm. you might spend with your VAT, you might spend on 250 to 500 units, I don't know, anywhere between 800 quid to 1600 quid. So straight away, you're launching a product now, instead of 10, 15 grand with a three-month mm-hmm. lead time, you're launching products that uh, can be turned around in three weeks and costing you just under two and a half grand. So you can, aff- in, in, it depends on your cash flow, but you can, you can afford to lose. Does that make sense? So th- one of the deals I've got with, this customer, uh, this company that I'm dealing with at the moment, which I said mm-hmm. to him, look, there is a good chance, even though we do really good research, really good packaging and everything else, there is a very good chance that a lot of these products will fail, maybe anywhere be- between 30 and 40%. Mm-hmm. So we need to dump those. And this is why I need the MOQs to be lower to test the market on. Does that Got make it. sense? Yeah. yeah, totally. So that's yeah, really, that's I cool. mean, that could change in six months' time. Another thing that I've been working on, I've got – um I brought in someone specifically and, and, and trained them in terms of doing product research, in-depth product research. I don't know about mm-hmm. you, but I can't stand doing it. I cannot, <laughs> it just, it just bores me to tears, but I, I know like the protein. Yeah. I mean, mm. some, that's what I mean. Some people <clears throat> love it. And that's, mm. I'm thinking if I'm going to get more products out, just pay the pain away, just get other people, train them and get them to do all the analysis. So, you know, I've just had one just come back. I've got a 16 page analysis with a breakdown. And at the bottom, it drops, it drops out a profile of exactly what the product should be, what packaging, what price point. So then I can just give that to the manufacturer and say, can I get a quote on this? And for something <laughs> like that, for something like that, it's now going to cost me, I don't know, I'll pay 11 pound an hour with the first like testing 220 quid i reckon by the second third fourth products working with this person that i trained it's going to mm-hmm. cost me no more than 150 pound to get full in-depth research done outside of you, the keyword reader where did you find yeah. this person is this an upwork job or are we talking someone domestic well and like to you? yeah no no he's uh he was on people per hour all right i don't i, I we do use up work you know but it varies like i find that with people per hour you pay a, you can't like, I mean, 11 pounds an hour is definitely not expensive by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but you, you, I find you get a higher, higher caliber. And normally the people, the overseas people, their English is a lot better to communicate because I like to talk with people on Skype as well. And if someone's writing out a document, I need them to understand Western culture and I need them to be able to have clear communication with them. So, you know, so I found that that platform for me, is uh yielded some good dividends to find people but i also use free up as well yeah me too for certain long mm. for longer term projects so mm. big shout out to nate um, yeah exactly yeah so had, when I've i when i need yeah yeah i've had him on too mm. i mean i've only i've only used him recently i mean he is everywhere and, and we've <laughs> kind of chatted over the years but when you you know when you get to a certain point in your business you're just like oh i can't be asked to go through that whole research process you know interviewing all that kind of stuff Nate, who you got for me? And it's just like you write a quick brief and he sends someone over. And, and basically, if they don't work out, uh, you know, most of the time they do, but if they weren't to, mm. he just, he just gets you someone else. And it's getting to that stage where I'm running multiple businesses. Mm. You need to, you, gotta, you know, you focus on, yeah. on, 
yeah and and you need to focus on on the business rather than in the business so mm. i've been doing a lot of changes there across all businesses i try not to get my hands dirty if you like unless i'm building a process to give out to people yeah i look at it and go should i be doing this or should this be handed off who can i pay to do this better than me mm. excellent advice just, I want to go back actually to the PPC and launching using PPC yeah. and your budget. So, yes. what do your campaigns yes. actually look like? I know we're getting in the trenches here and a little bit into the weeds, but you know, are you setting up like an automatic campaign and then perhaps a manual campaign and and using Zap Match and yeah. keyword research and h- how are you doing it? And how, yeah, what's I the mean, strategy there? I, I always I always kick off first couple of weeks. I do an auto campaign. A uh, little tip for people: mm-hmm. um, what you can do, I just go aggressive, so high bid, high budget. And then what I do is I run that hard for 24 hours, yeah? Mm-hmm. And then I wait 72 hours, and then I check the data. The reason why that is because Amazon catches up on reporting. And then you, the other thing is if you go hard, then you're not burning budget because, you know, like day two, day three, for all you for all you, for all you know, you just got reports full of pollution and they're a load of old crap, mm-hmm. right? right? So then that gives you an indication to make changes to your listing. So you can go aggressive with a campaign. So I go 24 hours at mm-hmm. first, turn it off after 24 hours, and then wait three days, pull a report, and look at it then. Yeah. Then do it again for 24 right. hours and like negate the negatives there where required. Does that, that make sure sense? It does, yeah. In fact, what you're and, doing there is actually then, allowing um, – some attribution to come through, right? So some sales that might, might exactly. be a bit of a struggle, yeah, or stragglers, yeah, 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 come through yeah seventy-two be hours to get your yeah. date, yeah. Because what we end up doing is there's two ways of doing it. Aren't you? you can start with low bids, low budget, do it over time, wait a few weeks. But I'm impatient. I want to get the data as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And in that period of time, when you're running those, you might leave it for a week and go through and you go, right, it's just a load of junk sent mm-hmm. back. I need to go back and revise my listing. Mm-hmm. But this way, at least you can go, right, I can burn a, a chunk of cash and then I know it's run for 24 hours. And if you get some gold in there, it, it puts you in good stead and it gives you an idea of where you want to take it next. So, and then from there, I, I just end up doing um, quite often after that, while when I've worked that out, I, I tend to just go with exact match. I know people use brazen frauds, mm, uh, phrase and broad, and, broad yeah. and I'm, and I'm leaving money on the table. It's not like we don't do it that way through the agency, through the technology yeah. and stuff we have. But when I'm doing my stuff, I like to have hands on and then I'll, I'll hand off after. Mm. But that's pretty much that's it. Easy. Again, it's keeping it very, 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 very simple because I think we can, everything can get very convoluted. I mean, another thing that we do is we work hard on decent inserts. Mm. Um, so for instance, if you're, you know, you've got your inserts, like you've got gatefold where you can utilize inserts. Um, and you also, if you're using things like bottles, put it on as a swing tag, which is quite a useful way of doing things. And another thing, if you're doing cosmetic kind of stuff, when someone unscrews the lid, put it inside the lid. So you can put something special in mm. there. You know, it might not actually be an insert, but it could be some kind of unique proposition where it catches the the purchaser by surprise. I love that. So, in fact, I've got a good friend of mine, uh, Stephen Loy, has been on the show before, and he basically gets a lot of reviews from his inserts. And inserts for him are actually the sort of, at the moment, the – the, the gold mine for his Amazon business in terms of getting reviews and and um, you know getting extra sales through you know coupon codes and that sort of stuff as well. He's um, he's a huge fan of the inserts and and I'm moving much more towards that as well in my own business, which is really good and starting to get some amazing results. Now, 
back on the PPC just for one minute because you do have a pretty big agency yes. there. You're at scale with Databrill, which is the name of your agency, yes. right? Um, yes, that's right. My partner, Ellis Whitehead. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. So, or, or should I say Dr. Ellis Whitehead? <laughs> that's his proper title. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> yeah. Because he's a data scientist, I think. Is that right? I can't remember. What's his? Yeah, and, and, and an algorithm expert. Right. He's like, when they made him, they split the atom. So I'm very lucky to have someone mm. like Ellis because he approached me a few years ago. We met in Germany, again, networking out and speaking and stuff like that. I would have never in a million years got into the congested market that is pay-per-click in terms of Amazon. It's ferocious, mm. but he's a differentiator. I built a business around him or we've built a business around wow. him. And that's the only reason why I'd ever put my foot into this market because we're able to do blue ocean. We're able to separate ourselves from, from most people uh, and have our own unique positioning in the market where we're not fighting on Facebook for Facebook auditions to get clients and stuff like that. We're very, very lucky in that mm. sense. A lot of people who are starting out on Amazon can't really afford expensive PPC software. Um so what, what exactly. are your sort of standard? Yeah. I mean, you've mentioned quite a few there around your launching and your auto campaigns and your 24 hours and your 72 hours and then exact matches and stuff like that, which is awesome. But in terms of ongoing, like, are there any kind of tips there to reduce ACOS and, you know, get just improve your sales using PPC? It's a funny one, right? Because everyone uses the metric as ACOS. I hate that. It should be about mm. profit. Work out what your overall profit is. Mm. That's what we focus on on at the agency. I think if you don't know anything about PPC, then you need to simplify what you do. The one of the biggest problems you have with PPC is people blame PPC when actually their products are shit. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem as well because you can't let use PPC to be magic. If you're selling spatulas, right? Mm-hmm. And it's $5 a click and your average conversion is uh, to ratio is 10 clicks before a conversion. You're paying $5 mm-hmm. and you're selling at $12.99. No piece Oops. of software. No. Yeah. So basically PPC, one warning I will say, and we've seen this common now, it is getting much more expensive every mm. single day at a ferocious pace. We're seeing mm. this across all accounts. So now I think, you know, you call them niches, I call them niches, tomato, tomato. I think it is all about now is great product, product, getting the position in there for, for your product, getting that visibility. But it means that you need to work further into the niches. Don't worry about trying to sell, say, 20 units a day, have two products that sell 10. Does that make sense? Yeah, now, totally. PPC are not going to work for everyone. So people that don't know how to utilize PPC, anyone can do a auto campaign and then wait for the results and have a look and say, yes, that's conversion, that's converting, that isn't converting. The problem I think is people have is when they read the reports, and I've had this when I sit down and speak with Amazon over in um, – in Seattle, because we deal with the sponsored products team and do feedback to them. I've always said about their reports, it makes it very difficult for newbies. I mean, you know, you need to do like Excel origami just to get basic data out. And they agree, even they have problems. I said, it's just setting up the information. So for me, you know, people look at reports and they know the answers, but they don't want to go forward because if they stop running money on that certain search term, 
they then psychologically think they're leaving money on the table and then but their ACOS is like two three hundred percent obviously that search term's not going to work for yep. them so you find which does and there are cases where products just simply mm. will not work with PPC it just won't happen because you can't the the, the, the cost is prohibited does it make sense so my my thing with everything is you need it was that uh, breakdown is kiss keep it mm. silly simple or keep it is simple right? stupid yeah yeah. Um, that's that's one, yeah, yeah. Sorry, apologies. <laughs> that's 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 the way. Like for me, is that it's very. We could sit here and start going right into technical levels about PPC, and it'll go over loads of people's heads. But ultimately, what it comes down to is your product, your positioning. You're basically using PPC to find your market, right? It's a research tool, okay. And then what's then what's going to happen is you're going to have your micro and you're going to have your macro. Often, not always, but often what's left over, there's a handful of search terms that actually work in that niche for your product that's suitable at your price point and everything else. The rest doesn't work. No, that's right. Yeah. So after about three months or so, if you've set up your listing in the correct way, you'll probably find most of the search terms that work and what they what don't. Yeah. Then it's going to be about intelligent bidding after mm. that. What's your strategy then? Is your PPC based on break even? ACOS, is it? Or are you looking at, you know, yeah, so that, that that's what you've got to then start to ask yourself is what what process you're going to go in and what is your strategy? I think the problem is when you're new, PPC looks like this black box and you go, don't worry, I'll throw PPC at it and then that don't work and then PPC shit, not the product. But then it comes, it all comes back down to your uh, market research and I'll make it clear today, PPC is not getting any cheaper. It's like when any new platforms come along. We've seen it with Pinterest. We've seen it with Facebook. We see it in the early days of AdWords. Yeah. I reckon, I mean, I kind of break it down into, I'm, a, I'm pretty old school with my PPC and there's all that, you know, look, there's lots of people out there that talk about all the complicated ways that you can run it. I, I just look at, you know, what are my profitable keywords? What are my unprofitable keywords? And what are my keywords that just don't have any clicks or, or, or any sales or anything and just, you know, either make the unprofitable keywords more profitable by reducing the bid costs mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, get rid of all of the keywords that are just not getting any kind of clicks or any action at all. And and you know, uh, yeah, just bid up on the profitable keywords. But you need to understand what your profit is. And I think it's super important for people to, yeah. if they know what their margins is. It's quite a simple calculation then to work out how much mm-hmm. can I afford to spend on clicks based on my conversion rate, and therefore, you know. Um, figure out you know wh- yeah. where I'm at in terms of and and then what happens oftentimes you know if you've got a well optimized listing you're going to convert every six to ten clicks in a lot of time not always but in a lot of That's cases right, yeah. but you often see, yeah but often you see uh, with people's campaigns is that they're converting every fifteen every tw- twenty or something like mm-hmm. that That's more especially true on PDAs and stuff even higher thirty thirty six mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But then once you work out what your margin is and you divide that by clicks, quite often it's like, well, I can't even afford to bid on this. I'm not even going to enter the um, yeah. the auction no. at this rate no. on page one. Do you see what yeah. I mean? So then that's another adjustment that you've got to make. Mm. So this is where it's very important to go into the niches now. Unless you're baked in, unless you're grandfathered in, unless you're a big company that's got a shitload of cash, mm. and then you can do what the – Chinese do, and they can sit and burn for six months with a bottomless pit until they've got to where they want to get to. 
If you want to compete with that, that's great, but you're going to need deep pockets to do yeah, so. Yeah, sure will. So go and look in the niches. Absolutely. The other thing that I see a lot of students that I coach make is the mistakes that they make is typically around they're just so broad on their keywords and I'd much rather be bidding on keywords that, you know, like I don't know if you're using something like Helium 10 and you're looking at some of the keyword volumes there and, you know, I'd much rather bid on a keyword that is exactly matched to what the product actually is rather than sort of going for like yes. GIFs or other, I don't know, there's just so many. Neighboring keywords. Neighboring keywords are just, so, they just yeah. kill you. They kill you and it's they so do. important to they be laser focused in terms of the keywords that you target. So, yeah, that's exactly. probably my biggest tip there. I mean, one. I mean, if you're using Helium 10, a quick tip for there is mm. like if you're, if you're selling products to say, I don't know, uh, I, I don't know, can't think of anything off the top of my Give me a product example. Oh, I don't know, water bottle. I'm just looking at one right now. Just <laughs> do not ever sell them. We've, <laughs> no. we've had to, <laughs> we've, I can't go into that client privilege, but no. you know, we've had a few clients on our agency. We've got like 14 clients now. We'll expand, we'll be up to about 20 in the next few weeks with the deals we're putting in place. But of those 14 clients, three of them sell water bo- bottles and they all basically, we worked out a liquidation process for their stocks So never sell water bottles. Uh, Any other categories again, you've got that you'd super, super deep, <laughs> super deep pockets? Where yeah. else do we need to avoid, Danny? In terms of categories, which other categories would you recommend that? Uh- it's not about avoiding. I think you should <laughs> know know your categories, but go in and look and look at the niches. Don't get green by the tools and going mm. right. It's turning out with this amount of money the month, and it only cost me this to manufacture. Because I think that's the fatal mistake when someone starts selling products in uh, mobile accessories. It's like. Unless you're Chinese and your dad owns the factory, yeah. why would you go and sell a case? Mm. Do you see what I mean? Mm. Unless you've got something spectacular. Most people don't because what they're doing is they're, they're trying to modernize based on a product that's come before them. Mm. And they don't necessarily have deep pockets. They're entrepreneurs running businesses you know, in their spare rooms, etc. cetera. Mm. Um, so, yeah, you just need to choose them wisely. But going back to the keyword thing just mm. quickly. Yeah, go ahead. Um, with helium 10 so if you've got a product and i don't know let's say you're 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 selling hair gel for instance right. and you you do reverse asin there is a column within the tool that allows you to um s- choose certain words that would appear for right mm-hmm. so let's just say it's hair you do it because you might get like once you've used a competitor analysis across like 10 SKUs, you might end up having i don't know 5,000 search terms, mm-hmm. which a lot of it's going to be like polluted junk, right? Yep. Because um, it's all the reverse asin off the listing. So what you can do there is that use the column, just put hair, mm-hmm. and then just do minimum search volume of 500, mm-hmm. and then just check from there. Then what happens is you can then go for the list that says hair gel, hair clay, all those, mm. you know, all those different search terms to find the super relevant ones. Now, you don't want to miss out. I mean, you want to go through your search terms, which is a complete tedious task. Mm. But if we're talking about super, super relevant, then go with the go with the main head term and then the variants on that. So if it is hair and gel, mm-hmm. then look at all the variants off of those. That's a quick view of those. Pop them out into a spreadsheet. Then you want to add up the search volume mm-hmm. and then you want to divide that by 30 days. Right. It gives you an idea of impressions a day. Mm-hmm. Just That's just a quick way of doing a quick analysis. Yeah. You need to do in-depth research and you need to do in-depth keyword research, but... If you end up looking at, say, Helium 10 and then you, your eyes roll around your head because you think, fuck me, mm. there's three and a half thousand terms I've got to go through and click on every one to see the relevancy, mm. you can cut that down a bit by actually using the field 
inputting into the field and, and choosing. just filtering effectively, you know, aren't you? It must con- mm. Yeah, it must contain certain words. I mean, there's more advanced ways of filtering, but that's a, a very simplistic mm. way of doing it for the listeners, you know? Fantastic. Hey, Danny, uh, our time is running really short here. I know that you're about to split. I need to split. So we might wrap up today's chat as much as I would have loved to have continued on for another two or three hours with you. What's the best way to reach you? That's normally how you sign off your show. I thought I'd try and pay back the compliment today. Yep. Yep. If you want to reach me, go to danny at sellersessions.com. And yeah, sellersessions.com, as I said, like you, Chris, we publish a, a podcast for the community, publish three times a week. Um, if you sell in the UK, log into Amazon. I do work with Amazon. I do their webinars as well. So uh, check those out. I've just done a recent one on Prime Day. I've just done one on uh, brand analytics mm-hmm. a few weeks ago. Cool. Um, yeah, just just look out for the content. It's all free. Awesome, mate. Look, listen, thanks so much again for coming on the show. Super grateful to you as always and can't wait for it until our paths cross again. So thanks again for coming on the show. Pleasure. Thank you. Links and show notes for this episode can be found over at theaustralianseller.com forward slash podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher or your favorite podcast platform. Sign up to my email over at theaustralianseller.com and I'll send you a note each time I publish a new podcast episode. Thanks so much again for listening. 